You are listening to a message recorded at Living Hope Church in Southwick, Massachusetts. We hope you find encouragement through God's Word today. This morning I want to talk a little bit about uh, God's provision in difficult times. Uh, we are in a, living in a time where it's, uh, our economy is in, in a little bit of a rough patch right now. I should say a lot of rough patch. Uh, just to put things in perspective, both my kids who work, they go to the store with mom and they grocery shop with them and my daughter just was amazed at how expensive some of the things were on the shelves. That's what happens when you start working and you start making your own money. You realize, hey, that's a lot of money for what's on that shelf over there. So whether it be the price of gas, price of home heating oil, price of other things that are going up, uh, economists are saying that in the next six months or so, uh, things are going to look like almost recession-like numbers. And so uh, we're looking at a time where people are very concerned about the future. You might be very concerned right now going into the winter months about whether or not you're going to be able to make ends meet. But I want to encourage you this morning to let you know that God has always been about miraculous provision for those who follow him. Uh, Whether it's the Israelites on their journey from Egypt to the promised land, uh, they were fed in the wilderness by manna and quail. It even says that scriptures tell us that their shoes didn't even wear out. That's how God was taking care of them. And they were wandering in the wilderness without a place to call their own. Even the prophet Elijah was fed by ravens while he was hiding from the wicked king. And the same God that provided for them back then will provide for you and take care of you today. I was hoping there's more than one amen for that. That's my mom. She's supposed to do that. I'm her son, so she's going to say amen to a lot of things I say. God will always take care and provide for you. Amen? Amen. Now, it's easy to say that. It's tougher at times to believe it, right? Especially when things get tight, when things get tough. If you've been fortunate in a, a time in your life where you don't have to worry about that, then praise God for that. But there are people that kind of go through that, so praying for them and believing for them as well. I'd like to pray before we begin. If you'll just turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 6. But before we do, let's pray. Gracious God, we just thank you for your word. Help us to understand and comprehend it. Help me to speak it clearly. Lord, may it not just simply get into our minds, but may it penetrate our hearts. May it strengthen, encourage, and comfort us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to turn to a familiar story in the Gospels. It's found in John chapter 6. Perhaps you've heard the story before of Jesus feeding the 5,000. That is a miracle that is one of Jesus' many miracles. But oftentimes we look at it and uh, we appreciate the story, but we don't apply it further. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to talk about principles of God's provision. Part one of a two-part series. Or principle of kingdom provision. Because I believe as we look at the story, as we kind of take it apart a little bit, We're going to see some things that are very important to our understanding, especially when it comes to uh, worrying about tomorrow, worrying about whether God's going to take care of us, worrying about uh, the next paycheck, worrying about the bills that come across your doorstep. Um, And so if uh, you're not worried about that, tune me out. It's okay. But I'm guessing that there's a lot of you that are probably a little concerned about it. Even if if you're not concerned about the weekly bills, if you looked at your 401k plan the last six months, you're probably a little annoyed at this point. Am I right? So let's understand what God's 
speaking to us today because I feel like there's something that he wants to communicate to us through this story. So let's look at it together in John chapter 6. Beginning in verse 1, it says, After all these things, Jesus went over to the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. Then a great multitude followed him because they saw his signs that he performed for those who were diseased. And Jesus went up on a mountain, he sat there with his disciples. Now the Passover, a feast of the Jews, was near. And then Jesus lifted up his eyes, and seeing a great multitude come towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But he said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. I want you to underline that. Notice Jesus asked the question that he already knows the answer to. And he already knows what he's going to do. I think we should get a hold of this today. Jesus already knows what he's going to do in your situation. He already knows what he's going to do in your life, in your family, in, in your workplace. Jesus already knows what he's going to do. You don't. That's okay. Because in the not knowing is the trusting and the faith that's built to believe him for greater things. Let's continue on. Verse 7. But Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them that even every one of them might have a little. Verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, Here is a young boy that has five barley loaves and two small fish, but what are they among so many? Then Jesus said, Make the people sit down. And there was much grass in the place, and the men sat down in number about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to the disciples and the disciples to those who were sitting down, and likewise the fish as much as they wanted. So when they were filled, he said to his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain so that nothing is lost. Therefore they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. Then those men, when they had seen the sign that the Lord Jesus did, said, This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Feeding of the 5,000. You've heard about it in catechism or Sunday school. You may have seen the felt board with the little 5,000 people and Jesus and the little boy and his bread and his fish. I don't know about you. I don't want barley loaves and fishes. I don't like seafood. I don't like barley loaves. I'll pass. Thank you. <laughs> but if that's all you're having at the church potluck when Jesus is speaking, I'll take it, okay? But I want you to understand something here. We're looking at the story of the feeding of the 5,000. You should know that Jesus did this twice. It's not a one-time deal that he did. Some people will say, well, they're a little confused. Well, is the feeding of the 5,000 and the feeding of the 4,000, is it the same story? told by different Gospels, and did they get some things wrong? And the answer to that is no. And the reason why that is is because Matthew records it twice. Matthew records it in chapter 14 of Matthew and chapter 15 of Matthew. So uh, I don't think Matthew, who is incredibly attentive to detail, would put that in there twice accidentally. We also see that the first time that Jesus did it, we see that it's a little boy with five loaves and two fishes, and then the second time he feeds the 4,000, it's seven loaves and many little fishes. So there's a difference here. It's not the same story, but still just as equally miraculous. We see that he feeds the 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. And uh, at the end, we see that there are 12 baskets left over. And in the feeding of the 4,000, there's only seven. 
So here Jesus shows his ability to miraculously provide for those who follow him. And he uses it as an opportunity to teach his disciples about faith. I want you to notice that there's an active part to his disciples to be involved in the miracle. Jesus didn't say, just stand back and watch this and do it all himself. No, he invited his disciples to be part of the miracle and participate in the miracle. So there's a few principles here that I want to pull out. Number one, first and foremost, the feeding of the 5,000 uh, first had to be spiritually fed, and then Jesus made sure they were physically fed. I want you to know something first, is that Jesus is first and foremost concerned with your spiritual well-being, just as much as your physical well-being. These who came to see Jesus, they came not because he had bread, but because he was the living bread. They came to him to be spiritually fed, to hear what he had to say, to experience his healing touch, to see the miracles and signs he wanted to do. If you want to see God show up in your life, make sure that you're being spiritually fed. Show up to church, spend time in God's word, pray. Well, we know how to do that, Pastor. We understand that every Christian is supposed to do that. But be in fellowship with other believers. Why? Because if you're uh, in fellowship with other believers, it's less likely that you're going to become discouraged. It's less likely you're going to doubt. It's less likely you're going to lose your faith when you're in fellowship with other believers. So when you're in fellowship with other believers, that doesn't suffer. When you're away from it, one of two things will happen. Either your faith will wane or you'll become so hyper-spiritual on your own that no one measures up to your standard of holiness. And you become critical of the body of Christ. So you need the fellowship of believers to keep you accountable. You need the fellowship of believers to point out and go, hey, you know what, you're no great shakes either. You know, you've got a little bit of anger in your life. You've got a little bit of self-righteousness in your life. But it's so much easier to be apart from the body and be critical of the body than it is to be part of the body and then have the same kind of back and forth of iron sharpens iron that helps us be faithful. The Lord wants you to be spiritually fed first, and then he'll take care of the physical needs. Secondly, Jesus had in mind already what he was going to do, but he did it to test Philip. You see that? Jesus already knew what he was going to do, but he did it to test Philip's faith. We have to understand when it comes to God's timing, when it comes to what God's going to do, he's not sitting around wondering, what am I going to do about this? He's not sitting around trying to figure out the solution to the problem. In fact, if he is already uh, bringing you to a crossroads or bringing you to a problem that you're going to face, he probably already has in mind what he has planned and what he's going to do. The problem is we don't know. But this is the testing of our faith. God knows how it's all going to turn out before it happens. So it's all the more important that we trust him in the middle of what we're going through. Many times he'll bring us to a situation to see what we will do. Will we trust him? Will we obey him? God knows what he's already going to do. The question is, do we trust him to do it? Next, we see that Jesus gave them something to do. When it comes to these principles, we have to understand first and foremost, when it comes to God's provision, nothing scares God. Nothing frightens him or unnerves him. And he knows what he's going to do in every given situation. Another thought is this, is that Jesus gave them something to do. 
Don't wait for someone else to do things for you. Jesus gave them a task. You gave, give them something to eat. Now, I want you to know that Jesus could have just easily created something out of nothing. He is part of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, present at the beginning of creation, spoke things into existence with a word. Very easily, Jesus could have just said, everyone be fed, and they'd be fed. He could have easily just said, lunch for everyone, and lunch would appear for them. Why didn't he do that, though? He could have done it, but why didn't he do it? He didn't do it because he wanted them to be able to be part of the miracle that God was doing. God wanted them to be creative. God used something, he wanted to use something that they already had so that their faith could be applied to it. So whether it's uh, something out of nothing, whether it's Elijah and the widow's oil, or the little cakes that she was going to make for him, whether it's five loaves or two fishes, or Moses' rod in his hand, or Peter and the two coins that he pulled out of the fish when he went fishing. Jesus could have easily created the food, and it would still have been a miracle, but the disciples would not have been part of the miracle. They would have just simply been witnesses to the miracle. God wants you to be a part and a partner with him in the miracle that he's going to do. That means sometimes we have to do something. That means sometimes we have to work. Sometimes we have to give. Sometimes we have to sacrifice. Sometimes we have to tithe. Sometimes we just have to be obedient to him. There's something God wants to do, but there's a part that he wants us to do in that. In doing that, our faith is demonstrated. Fourthly, Jesus never complained about how little was there. They bring to Jesus five loaves and two fish. And he didn't sigh in frustration. He didn't complain, is this all you got? Five <laughs> loaves and two fishes? This is, that's it? That's all I have to work with? Jesus did not complain about the little that was in front of him. He wasn't panicked by it either. I want you to think about the size of what's happening here. There are 5,000 people, not including women and children, they would like to have lunch and are looking to Jesus and the disciples to provide it. And he only has a little boy's lunch of five loaves and two fishes. There's a little bit of an intimidation factor there when it comes to so little for such a great need. I want you to understand that there are times in our life where we look at the little we have and we, get, we complain about it. But I want you to know that little is much with God. He doesn't need what you have to make a miracle happen, but if you trust him with what you do have, he will show up. Amen. He doesn't need the little that you have, but he wants it because in it, you're part of it. In it, you're participating in the miracle. Of it. Sometimes the solution for our problems is in the small. Sometimes our solutions are in the small. Don't miss the answer that's right in front of you. Don't overlook the small. Sometimes the solution is so small that it can easily be missed. I remember that Gene told a joke a few weeks back, and I'm going to try and do it justice, but there's a joke about a flood that was going to ravage the city. I know, a terrible way to start a joke. <laughs> and most people saw the alert and evacuated, but one lady, however, 
decided if God really loved her, he would save her from the flood. So she climbs up onto the roof of her apartment building and waits, and the flood begins to rise, and a rescue helicopter flies over, and a man stands on the side and yells to her, we're going to save you. And the woman stubbornly replies, no, I'm waiting for God to save me. Then they try a little harder, but it's obvious she's not going to go, and they fly off to save other people. The flood rises higher, and a boat drives by her building, and the people inside tell her they can save her, but she gives the same reply. No, I'm waiting for God to save me. And then they drive off. Now the flood is almost to the top of the building where she is, and another boat drives by. They say, this is your last opportunity. Get on, to which the woman yells back, I'm waiting for God to save me. They realize nothing can be done, and they shake their heads and drive off, and the flood rises up, and the woman drowns. I told you, it's a terrible joke. <laughs> it's more of a story than a joke. Why are you reading this story? At the gates of heaven, Peter, she complains to Peter, I waited for God to save me, but he didn't. God doesn't love me. And Peter frowned and said, he sent you two boats and a helicopter. What are you complaining about? Listen, church. I talk to many Christians who are just waiting for someone to save them. They're waiting for God to do something, but forgetting that God is sending little things into your life to save you. Some people are waiting for the government to save them. Sometimes they're waiting for a family member to save them. Sometimes they're waiting for bankruptcy to save them. I want you to understand today, you can totally miss it if you're not paying attention that God is sending little things your way to bless you and to show you that he's in it. So the tendency is to look at your checkbook or to look at what little you have in your hands or what little you have in your pocket and say, this is not enough, poor me, what am I going to do with this amount of money? How about we stop and thank God for the little? Amen. He gave it to you anyway. He could give you nothing, but he gave you something. Aren't you grateful that he gave you something? Aren't you grateful for the opportunities that you've had in your life, the places that you've worked? Maybe you said you hated that job for every day that you were in there, but the moment you retired, you were so grateful for the retirement account that you had afterwards, or the COBRA option for your insurance that you carried for another year afterwards. God used that terrible situation to bless you. So don't overlook it. Amen. Don't overlook the small, the little things that God has given you. God used a little boy's lunch to do a miracle. If you're waiting on the big, Miss out on what God's doing in the small stuff. I forget reading about this the other day. The number, the amount of money that comes into charities. And we sometimes think of just the big donors that give to charities. But did you know that 70% of all donations given to charitable organizations are small donations given by regular people? Amen. Don't get me wrong. The people that give to big to those organizations, they're, what they do is a blessing. But 70%, the majority of charitable giving comes through the average person. So we must understand that God uses the small and he can do what he wants with what you have. Don't despise the little. God brought it to you. Now let him do more with it and give to him so he can do more. Another important principle in verse 11, Jesus thanked the father for what is before him. He thanked the Father for what was before him. Do you see that? As part of his prayer, he thanked God for the small supply that was in front of them. How many times do we do that? 
Do we panic over it a little, or do we thank God for what we have? I'll give you an example from our, our, his, our short history here at Living Hope Church. I've been the pastor here for 14 years. Okay, I know it's a long time, I know. <laughs> 14 years I've been the pastor here. And I remember, so like, when our early days of my time here, uh, Dewarji and Diane would, would count the offering each week. And sometimes it's only a couple hundred dollars at the most. But each time when they would count the offering, and they would sit down and count it, when they were done with it, they would always thank God for what came in and pray a blessing over those who gave. Don't you wish you had a church like that? You know, that's a wonderful thing that you have, that you have people in your church that pray over the offering and bless those who gave to it. And it wasn't much. Then you go, I can't believe it's only this much. They stopped. They thanked God. And they prayed over it. How often are you praying over your financial situation? How often are you praying over the big needs that are before you? How often are you giving it over to him when you pray? I want you to know something too, that Jesus always prayed out loud so that everybody could hear him. Not because Jesus needed to be heard by God. He could have just whispered to himself and prayed. But why does Jesus pray out loud? He prays for the benefit of others hearing. Whether you look at the tomb of Lazarus, he does that too. He says, Father, I know you always hear me, but for the benefit of those gathered here, I pray. It's so that others could hear and believe. Are you praying over everything that comes your way, over every situation that crosses your doorstep, everything that comes into your mailbox? Are you praying in those moments and seeking God's will concerning it? Are you thanking him for what you have? Because God responds not to our complaining, but to our gratitude. Second part of verse 11, I want you to look at this. Jesus prayed and directed the distribution. He didn't just pray, he directed the distribution. How often are you praying for God to show up and provide for your time of need? This should be part of your regular practice when you're sitting down with the bills. I don't know about you, but there's times that, that can be incredibly discouraging. Sometimes you sit down and you're like, oh my God. It's like you procrastinate because you're like, I just don't want to deal. But you need to deal because it just gets worse if you just ignore it. But sitting down and just praying, God, you know, help me in this. Lord, I don't know how this is going to go about doing it. And sometimes God will just show you the timing for things, which is very important. God will give you the solutions on how to go about doing it and taking care of your situation. When you pray and trust God, for your provision, you are partnering with him. His problems become your problems. But if you're not including him in your daily activities and in your need, then a miracle cannot occur. When you're doing this, you're saying to the Lord, Lord, this isn't my money, this is yours. Help me to use it as you choose. Now notice that Jesus sat down, everybody, and he told the disciples, here's what I'm giving you, now distribute it to other people. Here's what I'm giving you. Now hand it off to somebody else. They didn't say, but Jesus, we haven't had lunch yet. How about us first and then there are the people? Jesus said, you know, we're kind of busy here. Can we stop and take a lunch break? And I want you to know something here. He sat the 5,000 down. Jesus is breaking it and he's giving it to his disciples. And his disciples are redistributing it to other people and blessing them. When God directs you to use what he's given you, 
When he directs you to help others, make sure that you do it. Sometimes, in the moment, it can be a little scary. The little boy is giving up his lunch. He says, hey, wait a minute, that's my lunch. My mom's going to say, where did your lunch go? Or did you eat the lunch that I sent with you? Or sometimes, like, we send our kids to school with lunch, and they just bring it home uneaten. Okay? But this kid was like, I'm giving up my lunch. But yeah, he's getting lunch, too. Do you see what's happening here? Is that here's his little lunch for himself. He's like, well, if I give this up, I'm not going to have lunch. But yes, he did. But so did he and everybody else that was gathered around him. Sometimes when God directs us to do something, we say, well, God, I can't do without that. I can't afford it. But sometimes God gives you the, the, the motivation to give up something to help somebody else in need. When you become a pipeline for God's blessings, it's easy for him to give more to you. When you start saying, okay, instead of going, this is what I have, let me hoard it. Instead of saying, okay, this is what I've been given. God, what do you want me to do with it? And that includes like how you're going to pay your bills, how you're going to take care of everything. God, what, what time should I be using these things that you've given me for the thing right now? Sometimes we look at the immediate need and we go, well, I got to do this right now. And the truth is, you may not need to do that right now. Sometimes when it comes to things that we want, we said, I want that right now. Instead of going, okay, I can wait on that and get it down the road. Understand that, that there are times where God's got to direct the timing of things. The resources are the same, but the timing is His. God may even direct you to bless somebody else. I can't tell you the number of times that my wife and I have been directed to help and bless somebody else. And it's blessed them. We're going, what are we going to do now? And the Lord always shows up later. He always finds a way to bless us in some way. Yeah, you know, my son is at college. He's over at college. And he's not doing a job right now where he's making an income. And he's, you know, needing to tithe on that income. But my wife was noticing that my son's in college. And he's still tithing the same thing that he tithes every week. $50 a week. All right? And she texted him. She said, you know, you don't need to do that. What was his words? He says, and he responded back. I forget what he says. Like, he says something like, isn't it all about faith? Yeah. Yeah. So she says, you know, she's like, you don't need to do that. You don't have to do that when you're tithing. And, and he said, well, isn't, it, isn't giving just about faith? Question mark. And uh, interestingly enough, one of the dear members of our congregation didn't know that Nathan's doing this. And decided to send a check his way because the Lord directed that person to do so and to bless him. Now remember, my son's writing out a check for $50 every week. He gets two checks in the mail from someone in this congregation for $500. Okay? Not expected, not planned on or anything like that. But what do you see there? There's an exponential growth that takes place just because a kid says, you know, I just have, need to have faith and trust God. So praise God for that. Okay? This is not about tithing. Don't get it wrong. Don't get it twisted. I'm not talking about tithing today, okay? I'm not going to take an offering at the end of this message or anything. But I want you to understand a, a concept and a principle that's very important here. Is that sometimes we're worried about what little we have. And if we just trust Him, if we just are faithful, if we're just a conduit, if we're just like the disciples say, okay, here's the lunch, here you go. Here's the lunch, here you go. Here's the lunch, here you go. That God, in the end, will take care of. Notice that Jesus broke the bread and went further than anybody expected it would. 
Jesus makes things go further than you would expect it would. No one expected it to go very far. But Jesus kept on breaking it and multiplying it. God can do more with what you give him than, any, than anyone else could in that moment. The returns on God's investment are so much better than what, what Wall Street would offer you or any 401k or even your local bank and what they can offer you in a CD. God's return on investment is so much greater than anyone else's. He can make it go further than you would expect. So when you sit down and look at your checkbook, when you sit down and look at your finances, when you sit down and look at your retirement and go, I'm going to retire when I'm 103. <laughs> right? When you look at that and you go, there's just no way. Like, I'll be dead before I retire. When you look at it, it's like, just look at it and say, you know, it doesn't matter. I'm just being faithful to the Lord because, Lord, you can make it go further than I ever expected would. God will make what little you have go just a little bit further. God, just break it and multiply it. God, just break God, what I have is yours. So take it, break it, and multiply it for your glory. Now, what's the results of this? Okay. Verses 11 and 12 of John 6. I want you to notice this. It says, it says the disciples distributed as much as they wanted, and all were filled. This is not a minor miracle, okay? This is not that, uh, you know, they distributed it and all got like an appetizer, okay? They distributed it and all got like a little bit of something uh, or got a, a, a hors d'oeuvre size servings. Like here is your half slice of bread and your little head of fish, you know, that they were serving to them. It wasn't that like, okay, you know, if you've gone out for lunch and they say, okay, there's the regular size and there's the half sandwich and the soup size for those who maybe are not as hungry. So like Jesus wasn't didn't uh, skimp on it. It's like, okay, you know, I'm going to multiply this, but I can only do so much. I'm tired. I can only do so much. You know, I'm the son of God, but I'm, I, you know, this, you're asking too much of me. I can only do, everyone's getting a half sandwich and soup. You know, and he didn't say any of that. It said he, he broke it. He blessed it. He distributed it. It said that all were filled. All were satisfied. Nobody walked away hungry. Nobody walked away hungry from that meeting with Jesus, spiritually or physically. Their needs were met, and they were filled. Oh, I wish that you would understand today, church, that God is so concerned with you being spiritually filled and physically fed. He is going to take care of you. He is your source. He is your portion. He's the one that enabled you to get up out of bed this morning. Some of you are a little slower than others, right? Getting up out of that bed. But you got up out of that bed, right? You, you can count another day that you're still alive. You can count another birthday that you're still on this planet. You're still here, and God enabled you to do that. So if he gave you another day to draw a breath, he'll give you what you need for tomorrow. Don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow has enough worries of its own. Jesus met the needs. No one left there without. It's not like you had a buffet and like, I'm sorry, we're out of the roast beef, sir. You can't have any roast beef. Everybody got what was being offered. He met their needs. Everyone was taken care of. Jesus saw the need, and he met the need. Jesus sees your need, and he's aware of your need. He already knows what he's going to do. He just wants you to partner with him to do it. Because when you do, he teaches you something about faith. He teaches you something about faith. The miracle is more meaningful when you're a part of it. The miracle is more meaningful when you're a part of it. 
We all know that God can do miracles. But when you take an active role in the miracle, you remember it better. You have a role in the story rather than someone who just reads the story. I'll say that again. You have a role in the story rather than just someone reading the story. You have a part in the movie instead of you just sitting there and watching it. You have a first-hand eyewitness to the miracle and can share with others. I'm going to tell you something. When you are obedient to God, when you are listening to God's voice, when you are faithful to do what He asks you to do, even if it's challenging and difficult, when you do it and you pray for someone and they're healed, now you can say, I prayed and God healed that person. Or someone was going through mental distress or incredible depression. And God said to you, speak to that person. Share this verse with them. Encourage them in this way. And you do. And they go, I was thinking exactly that. And then something happens in their life and they turn the corner. You were involved with that. So it's no longer talking about, well, I've heard God can do that. I've heard that he used to do that. There's many churches today in America where God used to do that. But he doesn't do it anymore. Instead, we just sit quiet. But instead, today, I want you to know that God wants us to be part of the miracle. He wants us to be part of the story. Jesus could have easily gone, you know what? Bread for everybody, and it would have been done. But he says, no, no. I want you to go look for a solution. I wish that the church would get a hold of this. Your answer is not in the government. Your answer is not in a handout. Your answer is not in anybody else, a rich family member, a wealthy neighbor. The answer is not in that. The answer is the Lord says, okay, I want you to find the little. I want you to find the small. I want you to find the solutions. I'm going to lead you to it. I'm going to guide you to it. I'm going to show you in it. And you are going to sit there and go, how can God do anything with this? But I want you to know, don't despise the day of small beginnings. Amen. Amen. He's in it. We're looking for others. I'm looking for the big things. Don't miss the small because of the big. Hallelujah. When you take an active role, you become part of the story and you remember it better because now you are part of it. You're part of it. You can say, I prayed and God healed. I shared what God wanted me to share and someone was changed for the better. Or I gave and God provided. Or I gave it to someone else and God blessed them and then paid me back because God is a debtor to no one. God doesn't owe anybody anything. He always is extravagant. You might look at your situation and what you have and go, I don't have enough. But it's not about what you have. It's about what he has. Amen. What he has is so much greater than what we have. Aren't you grateful for that? Within our limitations, we can't do anything. Within our limitations, your dreams, your goals may never be attainable within your lifetime. But if you're just trusting God and putting your faith and your future in his hands, then he'll take care of the things that you're worried about down the road. There's a lesson for the disciples as well. Verse 12 and 13. Jesus gives them instructions. He says, hey, listen, gather up all the pieces that none may be lost. Gather up the pieces that none may be lost. It's like, okay, so keep in mind, everyone's fed, everyone's filled, everyone's walking away, right? Everyone's done. Kind of like going to the Big E after everyone's been there. Or like you've been to like parks and stuff after they've had a big event and everyone leaves and just garbage everywhere. 
And so they, they feed the 5,000. There's this stuff left over. There's still good bread, good fish to be had. And says to the disciples, I want you to go do something for me. And isn't God so good? And the way he teaches us. He doesn't teach us like, hey, by the way, this is what the lesson I'm going to do. So when you do this, then you'll learn the lesson. No, he's like, go do this next. Go do this next. Here's the next step. And as they are doing it, they're learning lessons. Hallelujah. Jesus. Would, how, would that the Lord would teach you to stop running around the same tree. Would that the Lord would teach you to stop chasing your tail. Would that the Lord would, would teach you today to stop going to empty wells expecting water and understand that the Lord is your spring and your source. Someone needs to hear that today. I pray you would receive that. Stop going around like this and wondering why nothing's happening. Stop looking to the same places and the same people and the same things that used to be your solution. Instead, look to the Lord who is your source. Receive that. He says, gather up what is remaining and nothing would be lost. Listen, he wants to teach the disciples something after they had shown faith. After they had worked hard, Jesus has something just for them. They collect the leftovers, and how many basketfuls are left? Twelve. How many disciples are with Jesus? Twelve. So at the end, the disciples were like, this is not enough. Followers of Jesus were like, this is too little. What can God do with this? Jesus is like, I'm going to not only show you what I can do through this for everybody else, I'm going to show you what I can do for you too. So at the end of the day, after they had shown faith, after they had applied their faith, after they had worked hard, I can't emphasize this enough, work hard. Okay? After they'd done all that, when they, at the end of the day, they went home and took home to their families 12 baskets full. God takes care of the families of the faithful. God takes care of the families that those who follow after him. It's not a coincidence. Jesus knew exactly how much he needed to make. He knew how much he needed to have left over, and he knew that they needed to know that he took care of them. He didn't forget about them. In the end, the Lord always takes care of those who are faithful to him and those who follow him. You might think to yourself today, God's forgotten about me. Because you're looking at the things that you're going through. You're looking at times of leanness, times of God not providing, times of, of huge bills. We often find that October was like the worst month for us and my family. Because, you know, remember that the enemy will attack you in different ways. He'll attack your faith. He'll attack your family. He'll attack friendships, cause drama happening in that. But he'll also attack your finances, too. He's like, see, God won't take care of you. God won't provide for you. Yes, he will. Yes, he does. You just have to stay faithful and trust him. And he will take care of you. The last thought, verse 14. Now I want you to notice that everyone's witnessing this. Everybody's seeing the miracle that takes place. And his disciples as well. Verse 14 says this. It says, those who are present witnessed what Jesus had done. said, surely this is the prophet from Nazareth. There were others watching what was happening. Believe me when I say that there are people watching what you're going through. Friends, neighbors, family members, people who know you might be struggling emotionally, you might be struggling spiritually, you might be struggling financially, they're watching you. They know you're going through. Maybe you've shared it with them. 
Maybe they just see the signs of your distress right now. And so they see that you're going through a tough time and they wonder how are you going to get through it? How are you going to handle it? But then they see God provide in different ways and show up and come through for you. And when that happens, it puts the focus not on you, but on God. When you look at that situation, you go, how in the world am I going to get out of this? And then all of a sudden you're out of it. Because God was there. And when people ask, you know, how did you get through that? How did you get through your grief? How did you get through your struggle? How did you get through your depression? How did you get through your, your financial need? How did you do that? And you make sure you always turn the attention back to Jesus. Jesus did the miracle feeding the 5,000 and as wonderful as provision is, don't ever forget where it came from. Don't ever forget who is worthy of the glory and don't ever forget to give all honor and praise back to God. Every bit and every moment. So that when people say, well, how do you know God's real? When you are facing an antagonistic person or an atheist or a philosophy major who likes to think to yourself, well, you know, God doesn't really exist. You're believing in a fairy tale. Now, when you partner with God in the miracle, you are not talking about a second-hand eyewitness to things that God did in the past. You are living in the present with a God that's working miracles today and that you're not only the recipient, but the conduit by which God does it. You can tell people stories now. You can tell them about the situation, how God came through. And they can chalk it up to coincidence, but after you have three or four, they're going to give up. <laughs> give God the chance to be able to come through for you in different situations. Look at the challenges and the opportunities as what God would want to do in that situation for his glory and his honor and your encouragement and your faith. If you just demonstrate the faith, God will show himself to be faithful. Amen. Do you believe that today? God is a God can. He will. He'll do it. Not because we're anything special, but because we trust him and we're including him in the things that we normally leave him out of. Hallelujah. So this morning I want to ask you a question as we get ready to close in prayer. The question for you is this. Are you in need? Do you have a need in your life, whether it's emotional, financial, or physical? Are you in a tough spot? Are you in a situation where it feels like this is not going to work out? You feel like in a really bad movie and it's not going to end well. Are you in a tough spot, a situation where you need God to come through? I want you to know that God sees you. God knows your need. God already knows what he's planning to do in your situation. You just have to trust him and say, God, how do you want me to do this? Are you trusting him or are you complaining about it? Are you missing the answers that God's putting right in front of you? Have you been faithful in the areas that you need to be faithful? If so, I want you to know that you can look to God for your need and he will meet it. Believe God for the big even if the beginnings are small. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes?
today that, Lord, this word is can be a life-giving word to those people. Lord, that their hope and their confidence is not in man or what man can do. But, Lord, it's in what you can do when you direct them. Sometimes we need to ask ourselves what we think we're being directed to is what God really wants us to do. And sometimes we just need to sit at your feet and listen. God, tell me what to do. What do you want me to do? When do you want me to do it? And what can we do? I pray for each person here. Lord, may they not go without. Help them remember today that all were filled, all were satisfied after being with you. Lord, meet their spiritual and physical need. I pray, Lord, come through for them. We know they've been praying. We know they've been trusting. We know they've been concerned. Would you show yourself faithful in different ways to them and come through? May we rejoice together in the testimony of that through prayer. I pray, God, may they may faith, even though it's challenged, Pray, Lord, they will believe you for good things and see your hand at work. And may they be the first to testify of your goodness to others. Lord, we hold on and we believe you for what you're going to do because we know your plans are always good and they're always the glory of God. So, Lord, do this for you. Thank you for listening. We invite you to join us Sunday mornings to worship with us. We are located at 267 College Highway in Southwick, Massachusetts. For more information about Living Hope Church, visit us online at www.livinghopechurchag.org.